if you can. If you still got a run in you, go ahead on, take it. Still got a dance in you, go ahead on, get it out. God is so good to us, isn't he? <clears throat> Every day. Every day. I am amazed sometimes at how I can watch God move. And uh, it just it's just amazing to me how he just moves. And he never leaves us in bad situations. Thank God. <laughs> Luke, Luke 16, verse 1. Luke 16, verse 1. We'll pick up where we left off last Wednesday. <clears throat> and he said unto his disciples, there was a certain rich man who had a steward. Same was accused unto him that he had wasted his goods. He called him and said unto him, How is it that I hear this of thee? Give an account of thy stewardship, for thou mayest be no longer steward. Then the steward said within himself, What shall I do? For the Lord taketh away my, uh, from me the stewardship. I cannot dig to beg. I am ashamed. I am resolved what to do. That when I am put out of the stewardship, they may receive me into their houses. So he called every one of his Lord's debtors unto him, said unto the first, How much owest thou, my Lord? He said, a hundred measures of oil. He said unto him, take the oil, or take the bill, sit down quickly, and write fifty. Then said he to another, how much owest thou? He said, a hundred measures of wheat. He said unto him, take thy bill, write four score. And the Lord commended the unjust steward, because he had done wisely. For the children of this world are in their generation wiser than the children of light. We see the Lord commending what is unjust behavior. <clears throat> and I want to be careful because I want you to understand that God is not advocating bad behavior. God is not advocating unjust behavior. What he's doing, though, is he's drawing recognition to this man's ability to discern how to act in his own world. In other words, you expect a dog to be a dog, right? Well, okay. <laughs> some of you single ladies, they still ain't got this part yet. Because some of y'all expect a dog to not be a dog. And then you en end up disappointing when he's trying to pee on every tree and fire hydrant <laughs> that he can find. <clears throat> Praise him. So the truth, though, is a dog is a dog. And it would be a bizarre thing for you to be mad with a dog for acting like a dog. You don't want the dog to bark, don't get a dog. I mean, these are basics, right? And so he's commending the unjust steward because he's like, you know what? You understand your system so well that when you got into a jam, you handled it in line with what the system would expect. And then he begins to draw comparison to the children of light or the church of God or us as believers. And he says, <clears throat> this man knows his system better than 
children of God know their system. Which is the, the basic indication for you that the way spiritual things work are not the way worldly things work. And I know that sounds um, rudimentary. It, it, it sounds very basic uh, that even a Tyrol would understand these types of concepts and constructs. But the problem is that it's not as prevalent or as clear as it should be. In other words, you know, when people come into a church, they think they have all these ideas from outside of the church as to what things should be. And they think that churches are run by committee. That if I have an opinion, then it, I should be able to voice that opinion and people should hear what I have to say. Nobody cares what you have to say. You ain't been around long enough. See, when you've been around long enough, you know how things work and you can add uh, improvement. But to bring worldly ideas into a church environment is a problem. Because the way things work in church are not the way things work in the world. When you, when you work with the things of God, I don't care if you got more degrees than a thermometer. Just because you're book smart doesn't mean you're led. Are, are you understanding what I'm saying? And there are things that God would tell you to do that don't make business sense. But he'll tell you to do it because there's something he's trying to accomplish in you and through you. And one of the biggest problems you'll find with people working and functioning in the kingdom is they don't realize there's a different system you operate by. God can lead you, for example, to a business that's failing and tell you to buy it. The world would tell you there's no way you should do that. doesn't make any logical sense. But God is working in the background and knows things you don't know. And if you're in a, in, a, in a large enough financial position, sometimes God will tell you to do it to bail out the person who's failing. Whereas in the world, that's not, a, that's not what the world would do. The world would say, let's wait till this thing's on the chopping block and let's... When... Uh, <clears throat> David went to Ornan, and Ornan, he said, I, I need some things to make a sacrifice unto God. Ornan said, um, I'll go ahead and give it to you. And the first thing David says, no, I, I won't let you give it to me. He said, because I will, not, uh, I will not sacrifice something unto God that costs me nothing. So he said, name your price. He didn't say, give me a discount. He didn't say, give me the homie hookup. He said, name your price. And whatever the price he named, that's what he paid. And I want you to see how people in the world try to bring their philosophies, their systems, their way of thinking into the church and then wonder why they're failing and struggling. They, they lose their spiritual disciplines. They, they stop listening in church and they're not getting the messages anymore because they think they've arrived. They've gotten past that. And so light is not coming for them. L look at Genesis chapter 1. I believe it's verse 4. We'll just see where this rabbit trail takes us. What do you think? <coughs> uh, let's go to verse 1. In the beginning God created heaven and earth. And the earth was without form and void. Darkness was upon the face of the deep. And the Spirit of God moved upon the face of the waters. 
And God said, and there was, and God saw the light, that it was good, and God divided the light from the darkness. And God called the light, and the darkness he called, and the evening and the morning were the first and God said, let there be a firmament in the midst of the waters, and let it divide the waters from the waters. God made the firmament, divided into waters which were under the firmament from the waters which were above the firmament, and it was so. And God called the firmament heaven. And the evening and the morning were the second day. And God said, let the waters under the heaven be gathered together unto a place, and let the dry land appear, and it was so. And God called the dry land earth, and gathering together the waters, he called the seas, and God saw that it was good. And God said, let the earth bring forth grass, herb yielding seed, and the fruit tree yielding fruit after its kind, whose seed is in itself upon the earth, and it was so. Keep going. Verse 13. And the evening and the morning were the third day. Then God said, let there be lights in the firmament of heaven to divide the day from the night. Let them be for signs, for seasons, for days. Question. How many times are we going to make light? You sure? Verse 3 said he made light and day. Called it day and night and separated it out. And here we're looking at verse, was this 13? Put 13 back up. And he says, And the earth brought forth, that's not it, 14. No, I thought, it, yeah, 14, there you go. And God said, Let there be lights in the firmament of the heaven to do what? So then. Those are stars. But the question becomes, how do you divide day and night if there's no darkness or no night? Think about what I just said to you. Can you see stars in the day? So then if you put stars in to something, what would be the purpose of doing that if day and night were, were not the same? What I'm trying to get you to understand is Light moving upon the earth was not natural light. That's when this happened. The sun, all the seasons that we experience today is all in verse 14. The light that he caused to operate and function initially was his light. His light is what rules in his kingdom. I really need you to see this. Because so many people get twisted in the idea that we are in the world and unfortunately they think we are of the world. So, <clears throat> in other words, there's a shadow government in operation at all times. And when he says to you, choose you this day, and then he tells you, you should choose life. What he's trying to tell you is there's two different systems in operation. 
and you can choose darkness and you can live in it, it will appear unto you light. Days and nights will still come. Seasons will still change. Everything naturally will still seem the same. Yet you are operating in darkness. This is why it's referenced in here twice. It's not, he didn't say let there be light and it didn't happen. And he came back and said, okay, let there be light again. And what people don't get is <clears throat> that the world operates in its own light. Day and night. The world operates in that system. Have you ever noticed that, um, <clears throat> for me, for example, when it's summertime, it is almost a light thing to wake up at 4, 3.30 in the morning. It's easy. When winter comes and it gets a little cooler and you get a little more comfortable under the covers, <laughs> 4 o'clock kind of like smacks you in the face. <laughs> it's seasonal. It, it, it ebbs and flows with your circadian rhythms. It, it, it affects you. Do you ever notice there are no day clubs? You make your worst decisions at night. Your worst decisions are made in a dark place at night that has no windows. And here you are dealing with people that if all the lights were on, and that's why there are some of us that have woke up next to somebody <laughs> and about wanted to chew your arm to get away from them. See, the world understands its system. And it leverages things to work in its own system. It knows exactly how to get money that you wouldn't bring for your tithe. You, you consider it too much. So you put $10 in the offering, but you'll go to the club and drop, which is your offering to Satan. <clears throat> and then people don't seem to understand why, because they have such, uh, one of the problems of intellect is when you think you're too smart, you begin to turn inward as opposed to allowing the truth of God's word to change your thinking. And, and, and I'm telling you, as a, as a person who has had to learn and unlearn how intellect can really affect you in a bad way. I'm not telling you to be stupid, because that's not what I'm trying to tell you. Your, your, your brain is meant to process information and to evaluate it properly. But what I want you to understand is, Oftentimes, because of the way people think, they think God thinks like they think. So if they think it, that's got to be the way it is. And when he said, let there be light, remember, the spirit moved across the deep and it was chaos. Light is organization. Light is understanding. Light is revelation. Light is clarity. Light is not. All of that didn't come until verse 14. 
are, are y'all? You still here? So then when we enter into light, when he says the children of light, you have to understand you could be walking in darkness and believe the darkness you walk in is really light. And be completely contrary to God and how things work. I was, I was having a conversation a couple uh, weeks ago, and it was, it was a, with a person who wants to be in ministry, and it was always, it, the conversation was, was consistently about what I've accomplished, what I've done, and I did this, and I did that, and I've done this, and this is this. And I'm thinking to myself, if grades, education, if all of those things were the qualification for being in ministry, Jesus didn't qualify. You understand that <clears throat> the Bible talks about the things that a person who serves in ministry must be. It lays it out pretty plain. None of which are related to your skill and, 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 and intelligence. And the precursor is based on your character. <laughs> See, when you hire people in the secular world, you are looking for skill. That's what you're looking for, right? You want the most skilled person you can find for the money you're able to pay. When you get into the things of God, skills can be taught. But your values have to be aligned. In other words... The values that you believe and what you hold in your biblical worldview or your worldview have to be aligned with what God is doing. Because he can give you the skill. I've known people that never played a piano in their life and got up and played it. And played it like they had been playing for their entire life and never touched a piano. Because the anointing of God can give you the ability to do all kinds of things. And this is where people miss it because they don't understand the reason why they don't have the ability is because they won't walk in light. They think it's because they don't have skill. They're not skilled in the things of God. Uh, I'll tell you a story. <clears throat> Yay, story time. My uh, church I went to, the pastor's son was in... Um, he was in construction, but pool construction. And so it was my second house, I think it was, that I ever owned. And, and the air conditioner went out. And it, you know, it, it was hot. It gets hot around here. Y'all know that. And so I called him and I said, dude, my air conditioner just went out. And he said, he goes, um, I'll, I'll, I'll head over. Because he's real handy, right? And so he called me from the hardware store. And he said, um, you know what kind of fuse your air conditioner takes? I said, I ain't got a clue. And he said, well, there's about four or five different ones. And I said, okay. He goes, you want to climb up there and check it? I said, climb up where? <laughs> On the roof? <laughs> Bruh. 
I am too big to be climbing on some roof. I'll be in the basement before it's done. <clears throat> so he said, don't worry about it. So he shows up, and he's got this fuse in his hand. And he gets the ladder. He climbs up, climbs up, puts the fuse in, and, of course, it fires right up. So I said, how do you know which one it was? I said, first of all, how do you know it was a fuse? And second of all, how do you know which one it was? He said, I just prayed in tongues all the way to the store. He said, when you said you didn't know what it was, he said, I just sat there in the aisle for a minute and prayed in tongues. He said, the Lord told me which one it was. I was like, thank you, Lord. I was new, though. I was new. I, real, I was completely new. And, and it was such a foreign concept to me. Because I'm thinking to myself, he, all I did was call him and tell him it was out. And he knew exactly what it was and went up there and literally knew the exact part. And God told him. Now, my point of all that is to say <coughs> that when you live a spirit-led life, you begin to learn that the foundations of your life are rooted in your uh, habits. Do you study your word? Do you pray? Do you pray in tongues? Do you listen after you pray? <laughs> right? Because a lot of people, y'all treat God like a crank caller. God, I need you to give me some money because I'm in the trouble. So thank you. I love you so much. Goodbye. Click. <laughs> and, and if you're having conversation with somebody. I remember years ago I had a friend of mine. she just hang up on you. You'd be like, all right, so yeah, I, I got to run. And it'd be click. So finally I said, I said, listen, do me a favor, okay? It's disrespectful just to hang up on people. She's like, what do you mean? You said you were done. I said, yeah, but you say goodbye. <laughs> Dear God, I mean, you end the conversation with something other than click. When you're dealing with God, because I'm, I'm amazed at how many people say what they prayed about and what God told them to do, and then I watch how they did it, and I know God never told them that. And they're like, how do I know? Because I saw how you did it. It's not consistent with God. It's not the way he does things. You're walking in the light of the world. Trying to do spiritual things. And so to me, it's like this. It's like running into a, you're, you're on a SWAT team. Not the Stone Point Worship Arts team, but the real SWAT team. And you're running into a building with water guns. Wondering why you're getting shot. What, 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 when we operate from the place of light, it's a different way of doing things. And I'm telling you, this is why relationships struggle. This is why marriages struggle. This is why when someone gets saved and their spouse isn't, this is why there's such a rub. When, when, when someone is growing faster, Spiritually than their spouse. That's why there's a rub. 
Because you're taking away what I'm comfortable with. You're taking away the way I used to do things. When you live and understand that the first thing God did was establish his light upon darkness and chaos. First thing he ever did. It's the first thing he did. I need light here. Because now as I call all these other things to happen, everything is possible. Without light, his light, no other light works for a believer. Are, are you, you kind of picking up where I'm, okay. So then let's go to um, Matthew 13, <clears throat> verse 12. Amplify, please. For whoever has, what, why would we have to specify what type of knowledge? Because there's more than one type of knowledge, right? So <clears throat> look at, Esperate un momento, por favor. Thank you, Lord. Go to uh, John 10. Verse 27. <clears throat> My sheep hear, and I know them, and they do what? Many people do not understand that sheep have very poor eyesight. Very poor eyesight. And so the way that sheep know their shepherd is by their voice, by their sound. That's why yodeling is so significant in other agrarian societies where they will stand on the mountaintop and yodel and the animals will come running because sheep can't see very well. And so <clears throat> the way that they know their shepherd is by the sound of the voice. So for Jesus to say, my sheep know my voice, then that means there are other. When he says, and I know them, there, there, are, <clears throat> there are a few different words for know, uh, like Adam knew his wife. And in other words, he had been with her intimately. He knew her. Um, but to know something is really rooted in two concepts. One is to have information. In other words, if I ask you what is 2 plus 2, you can tell me it's 4. You have no experience to tell me that that's an absolute fact. You just know you've been taught that. And the number system that you've been taught is what validates itself. In other words, if I gave you a different type of number system, then 2 plus 2 could equal something else. Are, are you with me? So then 2 plus 2 is a fact, but it is not truth. The fact may be that you're struggling. The truth is that His grace is sufficient. 
The facts may be that my bank account may not have enough zeros in it. The truth is that he shall supply all of my need according to his riches. In other words, he doesn't deal with you according to your bank account. He deals with you according to his. That's truth. Are, are, you, are you with me? So then, <clears throat> as people deal with worldly things, they forget that there is also, in the same parallel, spiritual things. And if there are other voices, then you better be careful what you stamp God on. Because a lot of times people are hearing the voice of Satan, which is a God, but he is not. And Jesus says, I know them. In other words, <clears throat> to have information and say, I know these two. I know them. But I also have had experience with them to the point where I now know them. See, <clears throat> If somebody comes to you and they say, somebody you don't know said something bad about you, you're likely to believe that because you don't know. Right? But if you know somebody, if somebody came to me and said, they are plotting on me, because I know them, not I know of them, but I know them. I'd be like, you're a lie. Why do you say I'm a lie? Because I know them. I have experience with them. <clears throat> are, are you understanding? So then I can know you, as in cognitively know who you are, know your name, and know of you. Or I can have an experience with you that now because we've had shared experiences, I have a deeper knowledge of who you are and, more importantly, who we are. You with me? So when he says, I know them, he doesn't mean he knows you because he knows your name and knows your address. He's saying, my sheep hear my voice, and I've had experiences with my sheep. I've had moments with my sheep when they have called out to me, and I know who they are. I have experienced when I look out in the herd, and there might be millions of them, but I know each single one of them. I know their idiosyncrasies. I know what's idiosyncratic about them. I know the differences between them. And they, they all look the same to you. They might all have the same coat. They might all be the same colors. But to me, because I've had experience with them, I know which one is this one. I know which one is that one. He said, because my sheep hear my voice, and when they follow me, I know who they are. I know exactly where they are. They can go hide. They can get in the midst of the world, but they are still my sheep. And when I call out to them because they know my voice and I know them, I have experience with them, they will follow me. I can call them out of the darkest of places. I can call them out of nowhere. I can call them out of anywhere. And they will come running unto me because we have experiences. There are people that have never really had an experience. You can walk with Jesus and have never had an experience with him. And so he said, I know these people. They're my sheep. I don't know them because I just know their address. 
He said, I know them because I've had some experiences with them. When they were in the midst of their situation and crying in the middle of the night, I was there. I was with them when they begged and cried out to me. I was there. I was there when they unspoken things that they never told a soul that they had to go through and fight their way through and, and, and to be wronged and still do what's right in the midst of all the craziness. I was there with them. I got experience with them because they chose to walk in the light and not darkness. And because they walked in light, I'm with them. So now every time they win, every time they get the victory, every time, because I have an experience. That's why he said those that walk in the light have fellowship with him. And you can tell when people are not walking in light by how they act. And then wonder why there's no deliverance. And then they try to make it seem like God's a bad God. When you are purely reaping, which is a law. He said, but there's some I know because I got fellowship with them. I know when I tell them to check their attitude, they'll check it. I know when I tell them to check their pride, they'll check it. I know when I tell them be humble, they'll be humble. And now I've got such experience with them that when I speak, they follow. <laughs> so, good Lord, praise Him. For whoever has spiritual wisdom, where, where, where do we go? Matthew uh, 13, 12, Amplified. Let's put that in the Amplified without the C for a second. Yeah, there you go. For whoever has what? Because. So then, <clears throat> are there other types of wisdom? How do we walk in spiritual wisdom? We have to be receptive to God's word. I'm often amazed at the things people believe that are unbiblical. And it's like, what does the word say about it? Well, I don't know. Well, then that's a problem. Because how do you... Remember, he said, the children of the world understand their system. You know what the worst thing in the world is? To play a game you don't know the rules to. No, I'm serious, right? You, you're, you're playing the game and you don't know the rules. And it's like, no, nah, wait a minute. Before we start, you got to lay some of the rules out for me. Because you keep telling me, one moment you're telling me the ace is the highest card in the deck. But then since you don't have no aces... You switched this up and told me, right? So when you play with certain people, you know, the question is, how many draw fours can you lay out in one time? I've seen fights. I mean, fisticuffs. We going outside over Uno? Yes. You have to ask people. Come on, don't act like y'all don't know. You walk into somebody's house, y'all going to play on The first thing you ask them is, what rules do you play by? You go play dominoes with somebody, the first thing you got to ask them, what rules do you play by? 
Because once we establish the ground rules, it doesn't change. So then for us to understand, he says spiritual wisdom because he is receptive to God's word. Because you're in a system playing a game you don't know how to play. And because you don't give God's word first place. Remember Sesame Street? One of these kids is doing his own thing. One of these kids is... You out here doing your own thing. And wondering why it's not working. There's no light in it. Because he says, look, to him... What happens to the one who's receptive to God's word? So then are you telling me that more is not given because you got more degrees than a thermometer? More is not given because you got 10 jobs. More is not given because you're the smartest kid in the room. More is not given because you're the prettiest girl in town. And then people wonder why I don't have more. And the first thing they do is blame God. What are you, God, you're punishing me? No. You have to be receptive to spiritual wisdom. Or in other words, light. And to him, more will be. And he will be richly and abundantly. But whoever does not have because he has, you, you, know what, you know when you devalue God's word? When he tells you to love somebody? When he tells you to love somebody? And you're like, but you don't know what they did to me? You just devalued. To devalue something means you place something else higher than what God says. When God says that you should not... Uh, be shacked up and fornicate and all this other nonsense and you think it's okay because somehow God knows you better than you devalued the word you have not given first place to it you've created a lower position to it and, and despite what you think it cannot be equal you cannot defy his word and value it at the same time and I think that's one of the greatest lies that Satan has ever propagated in this era that we are in is that you can somehow serve Satan and love God. Seriously. You, you have people who are living, pridefully living, for Satan. And then want to start a church. I saw a church one time. Instead of a first lady, they had the first man. Which would be fine if she was the pastor. I don't mind. I'd be first man. I could do that. I really could. I could, I could do that. I'd make it look good too. But you ain't going to have him as a pastor and him as the first man. You devaluing God's word. Because see, here's what people do. They get into their self-absorbed state of narcissism and think that somehow we can make God's word fit in areas that he doesn't agree. 
and we feel better about it. But he says you devalued it. See, when you value something, you put it up high. And nothing is too much when you value it. You can't get offended at people you honor. If you can get offended at somebody, you don't honor them. It's just that simple. <laughs> so watch what he says. Can we just get off this one first? I mean, I feel like we've been on 12 for like an hour. Spiritual wisdom because he's devalued God's word. Even what he has. Can I tell you something? <clears throat> People have no idea how they'll be stripped of opportunities. They'll be stripped of blessings. They'll be stripped financially because they devalue God's word. I'm not talking about unbelievers. Because you'll see unbelievers prosper who don't care anything about God's word. I'm talking about believers who should know better. He said to them what they actually have. I'd be okay if you just left me alone. Right? You know, you, you come to a certain point in life, you reach a certain pinnacle, and, you know, you just, you're just unwilling to walk in the light, and you just said, okay, cool, I'm going to leave you here. I can live with that. Because I've attained to a certain place, and at minimum, I'm going to stay there until I get it, right? And then I go up again. I'm amazed at how many people do not see the stripping away that it begins to happen. Because he's like, if you don't value light, then you're going to have to work it the world's way. And if you work it the world's way, the world has a right to take from you. See, one of the, I wish I had somebody understood what I'm saying. One of the fundamental problems of being a believer is that when you're not a believer, Satan is your friend. You're almost better off if you don't want to walk this thing out to stay with him. Because at least he's your friend. You'll go to hell and y'all be friends for eternity. But at minimum, but it's dangerous to become a believer. Now he's your enemy for certain. And now you are relegated to dealing with him, he who is now your enemy. And you're sitting here like, I don't understand. It just, it's all happened so fast. It's like, yes, because you didn't value God's word. Because the children of this world are wiser in their system. I had a guy call me one time. <clears throat> he's a local, um, he's a local pastor here in the Phoenix area, and he called me and he said, uh, "My, my spiritual father at the time was running for office, and he said, um, now that your spiritual father's running for office, he goes, um, why don't you come and hook up with us?" And I said, first of all, I don't care if my spiritual father moves to the moon. 
as long as he's drawing breath, he still my spiritual father. Amen. See, because I understand divine relationships. I understand that my future, my prosperity, my, the health of my children, the health of my family is tied to my connections. That's not a, that's not a worldly view. A worldly view is BBD, bigger and better deal. But even in the worldly perspective, his ministry was not ahead of mine. So that meant that if I was to connect with that, I'm connecting with something that's behind me and not in front of me. So it didn't even make sense from a worldly perspective. However, from a biblical perspective, divine connections are everything. So when I understand that, my decisions are easy. I'm like, first of all, you don't call and ask me. If I want to be connected to you, I'll let you know. Are are you with me? And you'll know I'm connected by my support. You'll know I'm connected by how I handle you. You know I'm connected because I'm connected. You'll see it. It's obvious. What I'm trying to get you to understand is people, even in the church, approach things naturally when we're dealing with spiritual matters. When they came and asked Peter, they said, Jesus said, you know, it's, it's 70 of them, and they're all griping and complaining, and 50, was it 58 of them left? And Jesus said to Peter, will you leave too? And Peter's response was, you're the one who has the words of eternal life. In other words, I understand my divine connection. So if we got to eat your flesh, then where's the hot sauce? Let's get it. Now, now I want you to think about that. We have context because we are looking from 2022 back. So we understand what he meant when we take communion. But he's talking to them in the moment. And they're like, we got to drink your blood and eat your flesh. And majority of them just said, we can't do that. That's too far. I'm trying to get you to see the parallels because they're operating at all times. And every decision you make has to be made in the spirit. And I, and I love how uh, Dr. Nancy Dufresne said, every step you make in the flesh, you lose proficiency in the spirit. They're not, they're, you can't do both. A lot of people think, well, I can make steps in the flesh and the spirit. The same. You cannot. Every step in the flesh is a step away from the spirit. Because the spirit and the flesh do not exist together. And so when he says all these things are being taken away, people have no idea. That things are just, it, it, it's a downward spiral. Things are being stripped, slowly but surely. And then all of a sudden, they're wrecked. And they're like, well, how'd you get in this ditch? And, and a lot of times what Satan will do is he'll make you think it was you. He'll make you think you messed up, you're unworthy, you're this. When the truth was, there was a moment where you made the wrong decision. And in that moment, it was incorrect. But that does not make you 
Because he's the master at setting up pressure and environments and situations. It, uh, man, if I could just give you the, 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 the playbook. He'll, he'll, he'll send the husband right before he has to go to work. He gets into a fight with his wife. He goes out into the kitchen. The dog bites him. He gets in his car, backs up, almost hits somebody. He's extremely frustrated and angry. He arrives at work, and a receptionist says, oh, you're lucky you're not having a good day. Why don't we go to lunch, and we'll talk about it. He has no idea. On a normal day, on a normal day, he would have spotted it a mile away. But because Satan created these series of successive events that create pressure, and he knows people, all they want to do is get out from under. Look at, um, let's go to James. James chapter 1. <clears throat> Uh, verse 4. Verse 2, and put it in the message, please. Consider it a sheer gift, friends, when tests and challenges come at you from all sides. You know that under pressure, your faith life is forced into the open and it shows its true colors. Now watch what he says. So don't try to get out of anything. Let it do its work so you become mature. Be careful of people that will walk away from you in the midst of the worst pressure you have. Because that, that's, that's telling you they ain't built for it. Or in, or in today's language, they ain't about that life. Because when you are about that life, you begin to realize that the pressure when you're under it, it forces your faith life. What you have or what you don't have becomes absolutely readily apparent. Because when you've got to fight every demon in hell, there's a point where if you can't stand, after you've done all you can do to stand, if you can't stand, then it's now clear. People begin to see and it shows its true colors. It shows how important you really were or how important you were not. And anything that is coming against your life, he says, don't get out of it prematurely. Because that pressure is there to make you solid. That pressure is there to get you to square off your shoulders. That pressure is there 
to get every little piece of junk that's in you that you thought was prideful and all the prideful thinking, all the narcissism. It's to force it out so that you become broken before God. And now he says, I can use you. Don't get out of it prematurely because the work, the pressure has a job to do. It's working on you. It's cutting the edges off of you. It's breaking the sharp points off of you so that you would what? Become mature and well-developed so that you wouldn't be deficient in any way. Because if you're deficient today, you will be deficient tomorrow. You know what a deficiency is? It's something you don't have. I remember uh, we went to a, a, what do you call it, naturopath, naturopath, holistic, naturopath, doctor, whatever. And this was before COVID, long before COVID. And she said, most people are vitamin D deficient. She said, so here's what I want you to do. I want you to take, she did all this blood work and stuff. She said, your vitamin D levels are very low. So here's what I want you to take. Vitamin D. And she gave us the, you know, specific pills to take and all that. Because we were deficient. Do you realize every blood test we've ever had since, we have been, people are amazed when they see it, doctors. They're like, usually most people are vitamin D deficient. And it's like, we, we learned that a long time ago. We, we learned when, when, the, when, when the doctor said that I am deficient in this, that I've got to become efficient in it by having more of it, then I began to learn to supplement with something that would cause me to not be deficient, but efficient, to where I would have what I needed so that when I fight this devil today... It was equipping me months ago, years ago, things that I had to go through back then that I sat under the pressure. That's why it don't matter how you act. It doesn't matter what you do because I've been through all of this crap before and I made it then and I'll make it today because I know that my God always gives me the victory. I know that He is always on my side and I have watched every weapon that has been formed against me. I have watched it Fall. They can be dying all around. And it won't come down my house. See, that causes you to be well developed. <laughs> and not deficient. In any way. That's why, see, what you, there, there's a, sit down, y'all. So, I appreciate it. I do. Y'all helping me. Utterance is greatly affected by the hearers. When people pull, more comes. So <clears throat> there's a lady. She's in her house. And she's screaming on her knees, screaming to God. God, I need groceries. God, I need groceries. God, I know you can do it. Her neighbor is getting irritated. And her neighbor's like, I wish this lady would just really shut up. So finally the neighbor gets sick of it because every day, Lord, I need groceries. So he goes to the store, neighbor. He buys her a bunch of groceries. He puts it on her doorstep, rings her doorbell, and ding-dong ditches. She opens the door. She sees the bags of groceries. And she starts immediately, Thank you, God, for my groceries. 
God, you are so good to me. Thank you, God. I knew you would answer my prayers. And, and so the neighbor's sitting a little ways off. He's listening to her, glorifying God. So finally he jumps and he says, Lady, God didn't buy you those groceries. I bought them so you'd shut up. And she says, Thank you, God, for using the devil <laughs> to bring me my groceries. See, when you're a winner, it don't matter how you win. Because God will use the devil to bless you. God will use Satan to fix the problem for you. So that you become mature and well-developed. So you become mature and well-developed. When you ain't moved. When you ain't moved. When you ain't moved. What happened? I know. What just, we, we were sitting here earlier. And just just craziness coming. All kinds of stuff happening up here and down there and back there and all. I just looked at her and I started. <laughs> she looked at me. She, at first she's like, is he laughing? Yes. Then she started laughing. Then the praise and worship team started laughing. Listen, when you're mature and well-developed, people's craziness is not going to get to me. I got a mission and an assignment. I am focused, laser focused. My God always gives me the victory. See, because I eat pressure for breakfast. That's what I do. Pressure, baby, is what it is. That's what separates us. That's what makes us who we are. That's why I said stay under the pressure. See, that's what's wrong with this generation today. They don't want to be under pressure. As soon as they get under it, they want to get out from under it. No, it's working on you. It's fixing your attitude. It's making you think different. That pressure is forcing your faith life out into the open. You'll know whether you got it or don't. Everybody will be able to see, do you have faith or do you not have faith? Because you acting like it, like you got it all together, we will see. Trust me, you can fool some of the people all the time. You can fool all the people some of the time. But you can't fool all people all the time. There's a point where you are going to have to get real. And that's what pressure is supposed to do. If pressure gets you to start thinking different. Pressure will start getting you to understand what you're really doing in life. Pressure will get you to reevaluate your relationship. Pressure will get you to start thinking about what friends you really need and what friends you don't need. Pressure will get... God, I wish I had somebody that understood. And that's why I said, that, you know, to become mature. Well-developed. Well-developed. You know what well-developed is? Not deficient. Not deficient. Can I tell you something? Because your deficiencies will be your downfall. Your deficiencies will be your downfall. They really will. The areas you're weak in, that's where Satan will come after you. If you struggle with your self-esteem, that's where Satan will come after you. If you struggle with seeing who you are in Christ, that's where Satan will come after you. If you struggle, make sure you understand one thing. If you get anything from tonight, please understand this. Whatever Amalekites you won't kill will try to kill you. That's how the Amalekites work. That's why God said kill them all. And, and they didn't kill them all. 
and they came back and killed Saul. You have to look at the irony of all that when you think about Saul. God told Saul, he said, God told him to kill all these, these Amalekites. Kill them all. Don't leave nothing behind. And he left some because he wanted to parade a king. He wanted to say, I captured the king, and here he is. Look at what I did. His pride, his ego, and everything else. And then now he dies by the hand of the very thing he would not kill. When you look at an Absalom, Absalom died. He got caught in a tree by his hair. And the Bible says he had the beautiful, most beautiful hair. He took such pride in his hair. He thought he was just the cat's meow and the dog's bow wow. He did. And the very thing that he took his pride in was the very thing that... That's why he said, I need you well developed. That's why he said, I need you not deficient. See, because when you're not moved by money, it doesn't matter. I've had people, you know, they'll come and, and they, they are huge financial contributors or whatever. And they think that gives them access to tell me how things are going to be done. And the first thing I will tell you is let me make sure you understand something. If God brought you, he will bring others just like you. So if you want to go, by, But you will not dictate what goes on here. Because I can believe God with no money. I can believe God with a lot of money. Believing God with a lot of money is better than believing God with no money. Right. <laughs> Let's make sure we get that out there. Right. I'm going to keep it 100 with you. But, but the truth of the matter is when you're not deficient, you've you got to learn. See, people don't understand when, when I was making $200 a month and God still took care of me. Living in a house that wasn't mine, and God still took care of me. People have no idea when, when uh, we were working at, at my house, Tawny was there and he turned the water off. And I'm scrambling trying to figure out how to get the water back on and take care of a church. See, those moments. <laughs> so, so now, <laughs> fast forward 10 years. <laughs> turn the water off, we're going to have a party without water. <laughs> turn the power off, we're going to worship in the dark. <clears throat> we ain't got no air conditioning? Oh, well, we're just going to get some fans, box fans, and get it. You're not going to get my attention by craziness. Because I've been through these things. I've had to endure these things. I had to learn how to deal with the pressures. So that I'm not deficient. So I'm not freaking out. So now when you tell me the, the, the rent's $20,000, it is what it is. And it's going to be what it's going to be. Because either God's going to do it or he ain't. It's just, it just, that's what it is. And there will come a time where the bills will be millions. And it'll be what it's going to be. And either God's going to pay it or it ain't. <laughs> but it ain't going to be my pressure. Because he said his yoke is easy. And his burden is light. And I'm going to laugh it all the way. Because I'm like, Satan, if that's the best you have. I'm telling you, y'all. If you're irritated by stupid people, I'm telling you, you're going to be surrounded with them. And don't get out under pressure. Don't be like, I rebuke you, stupidity. And then they, no, no, let it work on you until you just ain't moved by stupidity no more. 
You're like, bless your darling heart and your stupid little head. I sure love you. These, this is what it's designed to do. But see, when you think of the world's way, you operate like the world. And when you act like the world, you get the world results. And we're different. We're called out. We, we, we operate from a whole different system. We operate from a system of love. We operate from a system that is very different than the way the world works. The world says to, cr- to scratch and claw your way to the top. God says if you're faithful, you'll be elevated. God said you can sit in the back of the room. He said, if you're faithful, I'll call you to the front. Come on, somebody. And faithful is not doing it your way. Faithful is doing it the way it's in God's heart and in his mind. That's faithful. Because some people confuse diligence with faithfulness. Well, I'm doing it. No, you're not. You're not doing it his way. Well, I'm doing it the way I think he wants it. That's not his way. He's going to deal with his people to tell you what his way is. Some people are like, why, you know, Pastor, I just wish you were a little nicer. Not my personality. You want somebody to smile and tell jokes at you, go find it. I ain't mad at you. More power to you. But I tell you what, Satan don't respond to jokes. You want to get his foot off your neck, you better learn how to operate in the Word. Because that's the only thing that will get his foot off of your neck and put your foot on his. Hallelujah. Well, let's pray. Father God, we thank you. We thank you that utterance is greatly affected by the hearers. And Father, we are so uh, blessed to receive the light that you bring us, the word that you bring us. We give it first place. We treat it as a pearl of great price. That we understand that light is the most important thing. It is the cure to all that ails us. Because when we walk in the light of the word, your word says there's always more. Our stagnation of growth, our disappointments in life, are always tied to our inability to walk in light. We will not allow the children of the world to be wiser in their system than we are in ours. We will understand that we don't get our victories by fighting. We get our victories by praising. We don't get our victories by being the smartest. We get our victories by being the least. We get our victories through our worship. We get our victories through our blessing that's on us. And we thank you, Lord, that you you have called us out You've made us a peculiar people. You've made us a peculiar people. We're different. And we are light in a very dark world. My God. Blessed be God forevermore. And we thank you for it. We give you the praise for it. We thank you for the things you're doing even right now. You're working on us even right now. Lord, I thank you. Right. Just just take just take your hand and put it on your belly, please. Right where you are. <laughs>
right where you are. Hallelujah. Father, give us your eyes that we would see things the way you see them. Help us to understand light, your light. <clears throat> not the light of the world, not Satan, illumination, but yours. That we begin to discern and to see things clearly. Satan, we call you out right now. And Lord, we ask you to pull back the veil, pull back the covers, and let us see what's working behind the scenes. Not only the, the good, but the bad. That we may be able to discern the system we're walking in. We thank you for it in Jesus' name. Everyone said? Amen. Amen. Sure do love you guys.